so glad that uh, you're here. I'm excited to be jumping into God's Word. Before we do, I want to tell you that uh, uh, we mentioned this last week, but this coming Wednesday night, uh, the 16th, our prayer gathering will be a global gathering, and we're going to come together as one church. You know, New Beginnings is one church, but we meet in two locations here in Gilmer and in Longview, and Wednesday night, we're going to come together as one church for our prayer gathering. And so I'm inviting all of you, challenging all of you, encouraging all of you, whatever word you need in there, to come with us and meet on our Longview campus. And we, we're going to get together, we're going to have our prayer gathering, a time of worship together. And some of these songs that our team has uh, been writing, we're going to get to uh, worship uh, to that, but also get to record those and so and then begin making those available. And so I'm very proud of our worship team and uh, Philip's leadership and the way God is using him. And so I want you guys to come Wednesday night, come be a part of that. Well, if you haven't been here the last several weeks, we are right in the middle of a series we're calling Rediscover. And what that is, is, is um, here at New Beginnings, we are rediscovering our God-given mission as a church. We're just rediscovering what is the thing God has called us to do, and we're discovering that again. And I love our new mission statement. I'm going to put it up. I'm going to get you to say it with me, just like we did last week. Here it is. We are people connecting people to Jesus and is ever restoring life where we live, work, and play. When you think about what does it mean to be a disciple at New Beginnings, it means that we're going to be people connecting people to the ever restoring life of Christ where we live, work, and play. What does it mean to live on mission at New Beginnings? It means we're going to be people connecting people to Jesus and his ever restoring life where we live, work, and play. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means we're connecting people to Jesus. That's what it means. And we've kind of started introducing this new mission statement back uh, really the first week of January. And over this last month or so, we've gotten lots of feedback, lots of, lots of input from, from leaders and from our church. And some of my favorite comments I've heard I want to share with you. One of my favorites was this. We rolled this out to some leadership. Uh, one of our leaders said this. He said, I love this because this is the great commission for dummies. I don't know if you need that, but I, y'all remember the for dummies books, right? You, those of you who are, you know, under the age of 30, you may not remember everything that came out had a for dummies book that came with it. And so he said, this is the, he said, this simplifies the great commission for me. It makes it something that I can understand and it simplifies it. One of the other comments we heard was this, this mission statement travels. Here's what, here's what they meant by that. It goes with me. It's not something I have to leave at the church. It's something I take with me into my everyday life. But one of my favorites was a leader said this, said, this is a mission statement I can't hide from or fake. <laughs> I can't hide from it. I can't fake it. I'm either doing this or I'm not. And so we've spent the last several weeks unpacking this mission, discovering what it means. And we began by looking at the people. What does it mean to be the people of God? What does it mean to be God's church, connecting people to Jesus? We looked at the person of Christ. What does it mean that 
At the heart of our mission is the person of Jesus. We're not connecting people to a place and not a building, not a personality, not a program, but to a person. And that is Jesus Christ. And then we talked about the presence. What does it mean to connect people to the ever-restoring life of Christ, that filling of the Holy Spirit, living in that restored life? And this morning, we're going to dive into what we're calling the pursuit, the pursuit. And my prayer is that we're going to discover together what it looks like for our lives to pursue the mission of God as the highest priority in our everyday life. And I think getting our lives engaged with this mission, getting our hearts um, engaged with this is going to require we adjust how we see ourselves. But even with that, adjusting how we see the church, adjusting how we see the purpose of the church and what's really the purpose of us gathering together for moments like this. And so there's some adjustments we're wanting to make, some shifts we're wanting to make. And you guys have heard me Uh, use this illustration before. I think I mentioned it a week or two ago, but I want to use it again because I want you to see, I want it to help kind of drive this home. Typically, we see the church in one of three ways. We Sometimes we see it as as a battleship. I'm going to put a picture of a battleship up. Right? This this monstrous thing that is uh, 100% to live out on the offensive. You see, it's got those big caliber guns. A battleship has a distinct purpose. It it takes the fight to the enemy, right? it's, it's, It's absolutely an offensive weapon meant to bombard the enemy defenses. So sometimes we see the church as a battleship. For most people, though, we see the church as a cruise ship. Look at this. This is how most of us view the church, right? The church is a place where I come to get fed, get my needs met, kind of about me. It's the thing I like. The preacher's okay. He's not that good looking, but he's okay as a preacher, those sorts of things. Never heard anybody say that because it's not true. And so, um, (laughs) right, but we kind of treat the church like a, like a cruise ship. The third way and, and the shift we're wanting to make is to see the church like an aircraft carrier. Now notice on this aircraft carrier, there are no guns, Right? The primary purpose of an aircraft carrier is carrying, arming, equipping, and then deploying. That's its primary purpose. This is how we want to see the church. We want the church to be a place of refuge, a place of encouragement, a place of equipping and training. But then, listen, a place that deploys us out, sends us out to live on mission in our everyday lives. And what we are praying is that God would make us into an army of disciples who understand this, that where we live, where we work, and where we play is where God has planted us to live on mission. And as we gain that vision, as we really begin to understand that, here's what happens. We begin to see the everyday conversations, the routines of our life, the everyday engagement with people, that we have to do it, we begin to see those as gospel moments. We begin to see those as an opportunity to connect people to the ever-restoring life of Christ. And so, um, you're sitting here this morning, you go, okay, I feel like we've been dialed into this for, for several weeks. I think most of us know this is true, and you may be sitting there going, I know exactly what he's about to say. I feel like we've been saying this for several weeks, but my question is, if you know where I'm going and you know what I'm gonna say, are you doing it? Are you living it, right? 
Are you living on mission? I think most of us, it isn't a stretch for a believer to receive the truth that I am called to live on mission, right? I'm called to live on mission every day. But listen, when we get into the every day of our life, we don't do it. Why? Is it because we don't care about the mission of God? I don't think so. Is it because we don't want to be used by God in this way? I don't think that's it. I think it is because most people build and live lives that are so maxed out, we honestly don't know how it fits in. Are you with me? Does that connect with anybody this morning? We build and live lives that are so maxed out, we don't know how it all fits in. Think about just the priorities of your everyday life, your work, your family, you know, trying to keep your children from killing each other, your marriage, all of those things, and we don't know how it fits in. And what I want us to discover this morning is this. What would it look like if the mission of God truly became the highest priority? And then, how would that affect everything else? How would that affect everything else in our life? So grab your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 25, so that you kind of have some context for where we are. Uh, Jesus is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, right? Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the greatest sermon ever preached. He has his disciples around him and hundreds, if not thousands of other people gathered around on the hillside, and he is teaching them what it means and what it looks like for his people to live as citizens of the kingdom of God, right? If you belong to Christ and you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, what is your life supposed to look like? And we see that laid out for us in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And round it, uh, right at uh, verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus begins helping us understand that for those who belong to him, the kingdom of God is to be the highest priority. It must be the pursuit of our lives. Our lives must be devoted to his mission. And what we're going to hear Jesus teaching is this. We cannot be devoted to his mission and devoted to the world simultaneously. That, that's what he's going to... We cannot be devoted to the mission of God and devoted to the world. You ever tried to be fully committed to everything at once, right? Anybody living in that stress right now, trying to be fully committed to everything at once? Jesus says, you can't do that. This is Jesus telling us we must be singularly devoted to the mission of God. And I think too often what we do is we see this as a time management issue. Oh, we just got to be better at managing our time. But what Jesus is about to tell us is this is not a time management issue. This is a heart on mission issue. This is an issue of the heart, right? So let's jump in. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So here Jesus gives this command, do not be anxious about your life. That word anxious is a very interesting word because at the root of that word, the root of that word in Greek is a word that actually means to be divided. To, to, to have divided care, to be drawn in many directions. And I think what's at the heart of what Jesus is saying, he's talking about having a distracted heart from the things that truly matter in life. 
That's what he's getting to the heart of here. I want you to remember the context of the Sermon on the Mount. The people that Jesus was addressing here, his disciples and those hundreds or thousands of people gathered around him, these are primarily very poor people, right? Their day is um, full and they're, 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 they're living is full of constant anxiety, constant worry, constant distraction, just over the everyday necessities of life. From the time they woke up to the time they went to bed, there was, um, there was an obsession over what they were going to eat. How are we going to get clean water? What are we going to wear? How are we going to dress our children? How are we going to provide for the family? And Jesus is saying here that as kingdom citizens, it is time to stop being drawn into a life that is distracted off mission by everyday life. He's saying there is more for you in the kingdom than those things. He wants us to remember that as kingdom people, we have been redeemed to live for a purpose. And that's his purpose. That's his agenda. And that's his life. But when all the distractions and the busyness of life become our pursuit, we lose focus on the mission. So there's really two points today. Here's the first one. And don't miss this truth. Distraction derails our mission. Distraction derails our mission. You know, we all have a tendency to get distracted and lose focus. Um, uh, toward the end of last year, I was leaving our apartment. We're carrying our building a house here in Gilmer, so we're living in a, a little apartment with our two giant 17-year-olds, which is a blessing. If you can get them in a really tiny space, it's life-giving. And so <laughs> we... we uh, can't wait to get this thing built. But I was leaving our apartment. I had to run to the neighborhood Walmart and get something. It's about seven minutes from the apartment. We're over off of a 1844. So I leave out of my driveway and my friend calls me and I pick up the phone. He lives in Athens and we just start cutting it up on the phone and we're talking about his work and the cowboys and some dead tree in his yard that he's got to cut down. And so we're, we're 1844 would hit highway 300 and I would normally turn left to go to the neighborhood Walmart, I turned right on 300. And because that's what I do every day. When I come to the office, I turn right on 300. Or I go to the, the lot and go check things out. So I just turned right on 300. And we spent 20 minutes on the phone and we we're just talking. And y'all, I checked up on that phone call. I was at Gilmer National Bank on 271 when I realized I'm in the wrong town. <laughs> I, am, <laughs> I am radically off. Harris, I got to call you back. I ain't even in the right town, man. Boop. And I, I was like... I called Carrie. I was like, it's going to be a minute before I get back to the house. Um, I was, distraction had derailed my mission, right? And if you think about the distractions and the anxieties of the life, in the lives of the people Jesus is addressing here at the Sermon on the Mount, listen, I think you could multiply those by about a thousand for us. I just think you could. When you consider all the distractions that we have in our culture, Right? All the advances in technology, all of the resources, all the opportunities that are right in front of us every day, we have become a people who are filled with constant worry, anxiety, distraction. We carry anxiety over 
feeling like we're going to miss out on something. We carry worry over not having enough. We're distracted by all the things that we're trying to manage and our daily lives are drawn in a million different directions. And is this resonating with anyone? We have become the most distracted, anxious people in the history of humanity. That's who we are. And we're perpetually bombarded with things from our culture telling us these have to be added to our lives and we don't know how to keep up with all of it. Just think about social media for a minute. Some of you have enough social media accounts, you need to hire a full-time employee to manage those things, right? And I know I pick on social media. I'm always going to pick on it because I see some of the stuff y'all put on it. You know what I'm saying? So, right? We're so busy juggling everything in our life that we're missing the point of our life. You're so busy You've, you've maxed your life out in such a way that you're missing the point. I want to illustrate it this way. The, the, there is no food, and some of you are like, is that some Chinese food takeout boxes? Because <laughs> he knows I'm hungry, and it's the Super Bowl, and I came to church anyway, and it don't smell like food, but I'm one. These are empty. There's no food in there. All right? So I do want to help illustrate this. I want you to welcome my friend, Mr. Jay Radcliffe. He's in here. Y'all help. Y'all welcome Jay to the stage this morning. All right. So Jay is going to come up. Just come right over here, Jay. Um, Jay, you got a very good reception. The guy I used at eight, I had to tell him to clap for him again. So you, just, you ought to feel good. That ought to feel uh, warm. Here's what um, this red box here, this represents. Just picture this for a moment. This is the mission, Right? Jay is a, a professional. He has a family. He has a career. He's got dreams for his family just like you do. He's trying to put kids in college, safe for a future. All of the same things that many of you are doing in your life, he's doing in his life. And so um, Jay knows he's been handed the mission of God. He knows he's been handed this mission. You've been handed this mission. Every believer knows we've been given the mission. We know that. But can I tell you something? The culture doesn't care about this mission. The enemy doesn't care about this mission. So here's what starts to happen. Culture and the enemy start telling you, hey, don't forget, man, you got this family stuff you got to do. Don't forget that. You got family stuff. Oh, what about your kids, man? They got to get to practice. You got kids stuff going on, right? What about the kids' sports? Have, did, did they get to practice? Are you getting them some extra coaching? Are you saving for college? Have you even thought about your kid going to college yet? Man, what about your health? Have, when's the last time you went to the doctor? You know what I'm saying? Did you call your mom? Have you checked on your mom today? You are a terrible son. When was the last time you got on social media? Should you post today? Should you remove that post? Did somebody like the post that I gave? What happened? What about my hobbies? What about some me time? I got to do that. Have I even checked on my marriage in the last little bit? When was the last time we went on a date? Do you see what's happening? One after another, we just start handing these things. And here's what happens. You get to a moment and all of a sudden you realize, have I read my Bible this week? When was the last time I really prayed? When was the last time I actually had a gospel conversation with somebody? Right? You know you've got the mission, right? It's in here somewhere, isn't it, Jay? It's in there. It's in there. But this is what happens, right? The mission gets covered. The mission gets overshadowed. All of a sudden, the one thing that God has handed to us and said, this is the top priority of your life, gets stacked under the many things. And we can't hold all of it. 
You can put those right there for me. Jay, you guys help me thank Jay. Yeah. I want you to know you were able to hold more of those than the last guy. So just good job. You know what I mean? Thank you, Jay. All of a sudden, we get lost in all of this. And the mission gets lost in all of this. And it's not that we don't believe in the mission. It's not that we don't value the mission. It's not that we don't want to pursue the mission. We've just gotten so distracted that we've been derailed from the mission. Ben Stewart had this quote. I wanted you to see it. He said, distraction is the great enemy of devotion. God, that is so true. The way the enemy derails you from the one thing is to fill you with anxiety over the many things. Does that hit home with anybody else this morning? Right? So Jesus now in verse 31, he gives us this command again to not be anxious, and he kind of tells us the problem. Look at verse 31 and 32. Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Again, Jesus is saying, God has purposes for us beyond these temporary details of life, right? He isn't telling his followers to quit their job, by the way. He isn't telling them, just sit at home, sit idle, and hope that the Lord supernaturally provides. He isn't telling them, don't be wise, don't work, don't save for the future. He isn't saying those things. Jesus is saying that if you want to be fully devoted to all of these things, you're actually going to be fully devoted to none of them. And you're going to live a life that feels completely out of control. And he's telling his listeners, and he's teaching us this morning, the way we take control of what is going on in our minds and in our hearts is, prioritized, is by prioritizing the kingdom and the mission of God. And I think one of the things, if you look at verse 32, he says, for the Gentiles seek after these things. He's trying to prove a point. He's got a Jewish audience around him. And he's saying that when we live like this, fully distracted, we live like everyone else. We look like everyone else. And not only have we lost the mission, but we've lost the kingdom stamp on us that sets us apart from the culture. We don't, we've lost that way of living that sets us apart, and we've stopped looking like kingdom citizens and started looking like everybody else. I bet the truth is if you looked at the schedule of the lives of most Christians, the priority of their choices, the the focus of their conversations, and you were to compare it to the lives of non-believers, you might be hard-pressed to tell the difference, right? So that what happens is rather than where we live and work and play becoming the mission, where we live, work, and play becomes what distracts us from the mission, right? So what do we do? What do we do? Jesus gives us the answer in verse 33. Look at that. But seek first the kingdom of God 
into his righteousness. And then all of these things will be added to you. Let me paraphrase that. But pursue God's mission for your life above everything else. And the rest of it will find its place. Pursue the mission of God for your life above everything else and the rest of it will find its place. Here's the second point. Devotion drives our mission. Distraction derails. Devotion drives our mission. When Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, oh, it's important that we really understand what he's saying there. There's a heart beating behind that statement. Seek first the kingdom of God. He's not saying the kingdom of God is an important part of your life. He's saying the kingdom of God is your life. It is your life. Nothing compares. Nothing comes close. As a matter of fact, it defines everything else in your life. This goes back to really the entire Sermon on the Mount, but you can backtrack just a few verses uh, to verse 24. Just go up just a few verses to verse 24 there in Matthew 6, and Jesus said this, No one can serve two masters. Can't do it. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. And the point he's making isn't limited to money, but everything that would divide our devotion. We will not pursue the mission of God with our life until the mission of God becomes the devotion of our life. What this means is everything else that we do, where we live, where we work, where we play, becomes the platform, the kingdom platform for our mission. That's what it means that connecting people to Jesus and his ever-restoring life becomes the center of what we do. Where we live, work, and play becomes the mission. And if our lives have become so busy that we can't live on mission, church, hear me, it means we have to downsize our life because nothing is more important than the mission. When was the last time you and your family said no to something that everyone else was doing so that you could stay on mission. You told your kids, we're not going to do that. We're not going to... That derails us from the mission God's given us. When was the last time? Right? When was the last time you and your husband said, we're not going to do that, watch that, say that, read that? Because it derails us from the mission. Oh, I know culture says it's important, but what, what would it look like to really assess your life and start carving out the things that derail you from the mission. And I think part of this is we have to see, we have to get a new vision for the mission of God, not as one thing among many things, but the mission of God is to be the thing. It's the thing. So that everywhere that I go, where I live, in my neighborhood, I I live on mission. I want to share the gospel with my neighbor and and connect them to Jesus. Where I work, I have eyes for people around me who are hurting, who need encouragement, who need the ever-restoring life of Christ. And I see my paycheck not as something that belongs to me, but something that God has entrusted to me for a, a kingdom 
purpose and all of a sudden my kids' hobbies aren't more important than them being in church and, and the dreams that I have for them are dreams that I've submitted to the kingdom. And when I save for retirement, I'm saving in a way and I'm asking myself questions like, how can when we retire, we live fully on mission and every single thing I do, where I live, where I work, where I play is not a part of the mission, it's the mission. And it fits inside the mission. And the mission tells it where to go and what to do and where it's prioritized. This requires, this requires a new devotion, right? It requires a new devotion. It requires acknowledging. Boy, this is hard for us. It requires acknowledging that my family cannot do everything culture says we need to do. (laughs) It just requires parents sometimes looking at your children and giving them a vision for the kingdom and saying, we're actually going to say no to this. Yeah, but I'll be left out. Yeah, but you'll stay on mission because one of these things is going to last forever. One of these things is going to matter in eternity. And it's not just about your kids. It's about your marriage. It's about your job. It means we have to acknowledge our families cannot do everything culture tells us we should. We can't prioritize the way culture wants us to prioritize because we cannot be so driven to keep up with culture, to be like culture, that it causes us to be ineffective in advancing the mission to the culture. At the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said these words, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are an agent of change. You aren't meant to look like culture. You're meant to stand out. And the harder you work to fit in, the less effective you are on mission. And there's a devotion that is required here. And it's got to be a higher devotion than my savings, than my hobbies, than my children's success. It's a higher devotion to the king of the kingdom. Because as I'm devoted to that, my mission is driven forward rather than derailed. Man, requires purpose. I want, I want to tell you, believer, no disciple in the history of time has ever accidentally stumbled into a life of missional faithfulness. No disciple wakes up one morning and goes, oh, look at me. I'm being faithful to the call of God. I didn't realize that. Feels good to win. Never happened. Ever. It's not going to happen in your life. It'll either be something you do on purpose or it will be something you miss altogether. I want to tell you that as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have been called close to him. You've been brought into a close relationship with him so that, ready, he might send you out as agents of change so that he might send you out as salt and light, so that he might send you out with the good news of the ever-restoring life of Christ 
so that in your home and in your neighborhood and at your job and at the ball field, you can connect people to that ever-restoring life. So here's how I want us to respond this morning. If this morning you would have to be honest and say, I don't even know if I have a relationship with Jesus. Man, I hear about this ever-restoring life. I don't feel like my life has been restored. If that's you this morning, then here in a few minutes, we're going to stand up and we're going to start singing. And the moment we do, we're going to have some leaders just standing over here to the side. And the moment we start singing, I want you to step out and go, I, I, I just need my life to be restored. I've never, Jesus has never changed me and I want my life to change. I want to receive that ever-restoring life. You can just come right to one of our leaders and do it. For most of us this morning, I am calling you to renew your devotion to the mission. And so maybe what you need to do, and I'm challenging you, you need to get out of your seat and come to the altar. I want this altar to be covered with people who go, I am off mission. I have let the distractions of life, the anxieties of life, the worries of life take me fully off the mission of God and I want to renew my devotion. You may need to just come down here and confess, God, here are the things that are pulling me off mission. Will you show me where they belong and help me make the mission that you've called me to of restoring people to ever restoring life in Christ the priority of my life? I'm calling us to a time of prayer. Adults, students, Is the ever-restoring life of Christ being lived out in your school? Are you an agent of change where you go? Maybe you need to come and hit this altar with us this morning. So that's how we're going to respond. I'm going to invite you to stand up. Father, for the next few moments, just as we pray, as we worship.